Trevor, and welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. Uh, if you're not familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein myself and usually a co-host uh, take turns introducing each other to movies, and uh, in this way we catch up on our cinema. Uh, so it is the month of June 2020, and uh, we like to do a little monthly event here on the show that we've been calling uh, Catching Up on Blu-ray. And essentially what that is, is uh, where we take a look at the upcoming physical media releases uh, for each calendar month and uh, just, you know, say a little something about anything that piques our interest. Uh, so in this case, we're going to be taking a look at the DVDs, the Blu-rays, and the 4K discs uh, that came out in the month of June 2020. Um, you may have noticed uh, you're only hearing my voice uh, this time around. Um, due to a, like a scheduling snafu, um, Kyle was unavailable, uh, so it's just going to be you and me. Um, so in the words of uh, Rorschach from Watchmen, I believe it is, I'm not in here with you, you're in here with me! Uh, so anyway, um, if you'd like to follow along uh, as we skip on down through the calendar, um, just... Uh, Open an internet browser and navigate to the URL uh, blu-ray.com slash movies slash release dates and uh, just navigate to the month of June 2020. Um, also, if you're not familiar with how uh, physical media releases generally work, um, usually Tuesdays are the date in which uh, new discs get put, put out. So uh, don't be surprised if you see a lot of discs dropping on Tuesdays. That being said, uh, the first... Uh, Formal release date in the month of June is on the 2nd, um, and right out the gate we have some major releases. Um, the first one that catches my eye for sure, and I'm sure everyone else, uh, that would be Steven Spielberg's Jaws from 1975 uh, on 4K. And this is the 40th anniversary edition. It comes with a little booklet. I can confirm that as I already own this, uh, and I have watched the fuck out of it. Um, Jaws is one of my very favorite movies. Um, I have so many fond memories of watching this movie with my dad, like on cable and whatnot. Um, the the slightly edited, like slightly censored version where uh, Quint's death, uh, spoiler alert, Quint does in fact die in the movie, um, where Quint's death is not quite as horrific as, uh, as uh, I would later discover in my life. Um, holy shit, that's one of the most traumatic death scenes in movie history. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've been watching Jaws like since I was very young, and it's one of those movies that if I flip by it, it's like you know I can't help but stop for just a minute. Um, and appropriately enough, like I, the story of Jaws uh, takes place during the Fourth of July weekend, um, which we're right around the corner from. So uh, I'm <laughs> I bought this at the beginning of June and. Uh, I watched it then, and more than likely I'll be watching it at the beginning of July as well. Um, I this this disc in particular, I can vouch for the quality of it. It's a it's a stellar disc. I believe it's a universal print, and they, uh, you know, they they had to step up for this one. You can't you can't you can't fuck with Jaws, man. Nobody fucks with Jaws. Um, beside that, though, uh, we have a 4K disc of a. Uh, last year's uh, Oscar winner for Best Picture, among many, many other <laughs> awards. Um, that would be Bong Joon-ho's Parasite uh, from 2019. Uh, this is this is an interesting case uh, as far as uh, discs go, because this movie was put out on Blu-ray initially, and then when it won Best Picture, uh, I want to say they scrambled to, to print a 4K of it, um, however, Criterion announced a few months ago that they're going to be putting out a Blu-ray as well. Not a 4K disc, but a, a 1080p Blu-ray. Um, so it's kind of a, it's the kind of situation where it's like, hmm, do I want like maximum image fidelity? Or do I want that Criterion like special treatment on the disc with, you know, all the, all the bells and whistles and like the, the beautiful box art and all that. And I mean, if you're, a hardcore Criterion collector, then you definitely want like the numbered entry in the Criterion collection. So, um, me personally, I'm not sure that I would choose to own this film. I did see it. Um, it's an excellent film. Uh, of the movies I saw in 2019, I'd, yeah, I'd probably give it Best Picture. Although, I mean, if you've been listening to the show for any stretch of time, uh, you're probably well aware of the fact that my, uh, my personal tastes in film tend to veer more towards the the schlock end of the spectrum as opposed to like the prestige art house cinema. 
Um, so maybe I'm not the best person to, to reference in that regard. But um, yeah, I, I don't know that I would own this movie. Uh, however, for me personally, I think I would go with the Criterion version if I was to own it rather than the 4K. Um, that's just me, though. Um, some people, you know, that, that extra t- little bump, uh, some would even say imperceptible bump, depending on who you ask, <laughs> uh, and image fidelity isn't exactly worth it or is worth it. Um, but anyway, that's a that's a big release. Um, moving on down, though. Uh, spe- oh, speaking of Watchmen, uh, we have a uh, blu-ray release of the hbo series the watchman um which <laughs> i'm sure has alan moore just throwing fits although at at this point in time i'm guessing alan moore just is, has totally run out of fucks to give about people messing with his his properties and whatnot man that guy uh that guy has some strong strong beliefs about uh about comics and adaptations in general but um I haven't had the pleasure of watching this. I actually kind of like uh, Zack Snyder's uh, Watchmen film. Um, I I have owned the the graphic novel uh, or the comic series rather um, since like high school. I think my brother got for me as a gift. He was like, "Hey, you're into comics. You should like read some good shit occasionally. Like maybe think about it." And I I, I gobbled it up. I absolutely loved it. Um, and yeah, I, I thought the Zack Snyder movie missed the mark in some regards, like especially in terms of aesthetics and whatnot. He kind of can't help himself in some ways. Um, but overall, I thought it, I thought it was a, a decent film. I wouldn't call it amazing or anything, but it, it's, it, it's very watchable. I'll give it that much. But I've heard nothing but good things about this uh, HBO series, though. Um, as far as I understand, it's much, much better than the film. And as far as I understand, they uh, they take some of the core concepts and like some of the ideas um, expressed in the original text and really just kind of run away with them. Um, it's something I would like to watch, uh, although I don't have a subscription to HBO. Um, but moving on, though, uh, we have a Shout Select release of Glengarry Glen Ross from 1992. Um, as far as I recall, this is based on a stage play, and I could be totally wrong, but I want to say... Uh, the man who authored, who originally penned the play, also directed it. I could be totally wrong there, but I do know it's based on a play, um, and it's acted as such in some ways. Um, but holy shit, this movie has such a stacked cast. Um, it's got like Ed Harris and Al Pacino and uh, Jack Lemmon as the character who would go on to inspire uh, Gil, I believe, in The Simpsons. <laughs> um, and of course, who could forget uh, Alec Baldwin in like he has like what like five minutes of screen time but he completely steals the show um most people will be quick to quote his uh was always be closing speech um my favorite part of his his very brief time in the movie though is just this bit where ed harris is like excuse me who are you and his response is fuck you that's my name (laughs) it's like just just the timing was perfect but um I can seldom recall an actor who made so much of such little screen time, really. That that speech. Anybody who's ever even touched the world, like the realm of sales, uh, needs to watch Alec Baldwin's scenes in uh, Glengarry Glen Ross. Um, I, I don't know that I would pick up this disc, but I actually really do enjoy this movie. Um, it's it, Alec Baldwin's the best part of it, but it's it's actually a very good movie with a lot of good roles for a lot of for a lot of the people in it. Moving on, though, uh, we have Tokyo Godfathers from 2003. Um, this is from director Satoshi Kon. Uh, this is a uh, anime feature, so a Japanese animated film. Uh, funny enough, we've actually covered uh, one of this director's films on the show. Uh, that would be Perfect Blue, um, which was one of his earlier works. Um, and unfortunately, that was another episode that I had to do on my own as well, except that one was due to technical difficulties wherein uh, somehow uh, our audio, like the audio file got corrupted, so I had to redo the whole episode myself. Um, that's neither here nor there. Um, Tokyo Godfathers is also very, very good. Um, this one's also somewhat melancholy, but not nearly as much as Perfect Blue, but um, highly recommended if you're if you're into, like, animation from that time period 2000 early 2000s ish so like 
we we weren't going like into the deep end with a use of cgi elements it was still mostly you know painted cells and whatnot nowadays like man the japanese animation industry is like they're going down a road i can't i can't quite wrap my head around because i'm i'm seeing promotional images for studio ghibli uh making cgi animated films and it's like wow isn't that like completely against everything that they stood for all these decades <laughs> like doing things the hard way with hand-painted cells in every frame of animation um long long after that method had become antiquated um so yeah i don't know what to make of that but um we have a 40th anniversary release of urban cowboy starring john travolta this is a movie i have not seen i know it by reputation i'd check it out but I, I have a soft spot for john travolta even even today in fact maybe even more now today than when he was a young man just i feel like he he always tries like i've i, I watch a lot of like direct-to-video schlock and john travolta movies i will actually show up for because even if the movie's terrible he'll still try he'll try he'll put on a goofy wig He'll put on, a, put on a goofy accent, and he'll give you something. Um, so I, I can appreciate that. Um, I would check this out. I've heard it's good. Um, beside that, we have uh, a gigantic box set of uh, Al Adamson films, who, uh, as far as I recall, he's like a, a B-movie. He's a, he's a B-movie guy, except he made like like the B-grade films. So, like, in glancing at some of the films in this box, it's like, oh, man, I know a lot of B-movies, but I don't know these B-movies. Um, I want to say Quentin Tarantino may have been a fan of his stuff, though, just looking at the general flavor of a lot of his, his films. Um, me, personally, I don't think I have any interest in, in his filmography except for maybe some of his Jim Kelly stuff. Uh, some of those actually do look kind of fun, but... Yeah, there's there's a lot of like beach blanket massacre kind of movies and <laughs> stuff that stuff that Ed Wood would do like in his twilight years. So that's that's saying something. <laughs> um, but moving on, uh, we have a movie that a um, friend of the show, Brad from uh, the Cinema Speak podcast, uh, has been telling me. I, I to to quote him, uh, "You need to be ready." Uh, is all he would tell me about it um and i've taken very special care to remain ignorant as to the content of the film but uh this movie i'm referencing here is uh one cut of the dead uh, from 2017 uh this is a japanese movie um all i know is there is a long stretch of the film that was done in one take um and then beyond that i haven't allowed myself to learn anything else about it <laughs> um Funny enough, um, this just came out in June. However, I have owned this since uh, May. Um, I actually purchased this as well as another, uh, well, it's actually an Australian movie, Masquerading as a Japanese movie. Um, I bought One Cut of the Dead and Top Knot Detective um, via a small uh, Australian disc publisher um, by the name of Third Window Films. Um, I was pretty happy with the Top Knot Detective disc. Um, however, uh, as tends to be the case with me when I'm like eagerly anticipating watching a new movie, um, I have yet to crack open the one cut of the dead disc. Um, so uh, it's been collecting dust on my shelf for about a month now, um, and now everybody has access to it. So I better hurry up, otherwise, you know, one of my shithead friends might spoil it for me. <laughs> um, speaking of spoilers, uh, beside that we have a uh, creep show season one. Uh, so this would be the Shutter exclusive series, not not the film. Um, this is also from 2019. Um, Kyle, uh, who would normally be doing this episode with me, uh, has a Shutter account, um, a whole year of it, <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I guess. Um, may, may or may not have been acquired via an ac accidental credit card charge. Um, but uh, he told me I would really like this. Um, and I have I have access to Shutter for the time being, so this is something I should probably get on the ball and check out because uh, Kyle gave it high praise. Um, what else we got here? Um, we have a re-release of well, this may be the first time it's in HD, but uh, Charles Bronson's The Mechanic from 1972. Uh, we have a 4K disc of Apollo 13. It looks like it's in a steel book. Um, I 
believe this has been on 4K for a bit, so this is probably just a reissue. Um, we have 40th Anniversary Steelbook of Flash Gordon. Uh, we have Robert the Bruce from 2019. Um, it's funny, I, whenever I think of Robert the Bruce, I think of uh, Angus McFadden from, uh, from Braveheart. Uh, I believe that's who he played in that movie. I don't know anything about this 2019 movie, though. Um, we have an interesting cover for Witches in the Woods, although I want to say I recognize that font, and I want to say I got it for free. Hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm one of those people that, like, keys in on fonts sometimes, where it's like, hmm, that, that makes me judge that film. <laughs> it's, like, it's like when you see, uh, like, the John Carpenter font, like, applied to something that looks like it... it doesn't quite match up to the quality that maybe they're they're advertising where it's like hmm it's like i know what you're trying to achieve by using that font you're trying to evoke an emotion on my part but i don't think you measure up to mr carpenter <laughs> um but moving along here uh there's a whole bunch of stuff that's not jumping out at me oh by the way um when we do these catching up on blu-ray episodes uh we tend to gloss over a lot of the the anime releases um, from month to month, uh, mostly because there's just so many of them. And uh, me being so out of the game when it comes to like what's popular and what's noteworthy, um, I don't exactly, just eyeballing it, I don't exactly know what's worth noting and what's not. So I'll, I'll make note of the ones that I recognize, like, like I did with uh, Tokyo Godfathers, but uh, I can already see like about a dozen just with just on June 2nd. It's like, yeah, I don't care about that. <laughs> um, uh, so I'll keep moving along here. Um, yeah, looks like the rest of the week is mostly just uh, reserved for re-releases of uh, older films. Uh, so let's skip on down to the next week. Uh, so June 9th uh, opens with uh, The Hunt uh, from 2019. This was a uh, strangely controversial film uh, directed by Craig Zobel. Um, actually, just watched this a few days ago. Uh, I say strangely controversial in that when you watch it, it's entirely harmless. Um, even even in terms of like explicit gore and whatnot, it's like meh, I've seen worse. Um, but it's one of those movies that like just the concept of it and the subject matter was like making people on the internet kind of like jittery, I guess. Um, but when you actually watch the movie, it is it is it is a childish film. Um, it has some good instances of bloodletting, and uh, Betty Gilpin is extraordinary in it. Uh, the movie in belongs to her entirely, and I think somewhere along the line in in production, uh, they became wise to that fact because <laughs> um, there's a lot of like minor celebrities in there. Like I want to say Emma Roberts is in it. I it could be me mistaking young person face for, you know, any other number of young person faces. But um, there's a, a couple of notable faces in the early proceedings that um, make a pretty hasty exit from the film. And uh, most of the screen time is devoted to just Betty Gilpin uh, doing a very unique, very, very intriguing performance. I was, I was very taken with, with what she did with the film. Um, <laughs> the script is absolute crap. Um, like, like I said, it it sounds like that it was written by a like a fifteen year old boy, and it it's it's very juvenile. Um, every single character is a caricature except for her. Um, so it's it's not very good, <laughs> but it has some minor highlights here and there, though. Um, I I didn't hate it. You can't hate something that childish. <laughs> Um, but beside that, we have um, We Summon the Darkness from 2019 as well. Um, looks like Alexandra Daddario and some other people. Uh, the color scheme, and again, I want to say this is a font that I have on my computer that I acquired for free. Um, that's troubling, but uh, striking cover art at the very least. It stands out. looks like a, I don't know, it looks like kind of like a, a fun teen horror movie of some sort. Um, moving on though uh, we have our first Criterion release of the month that would be An Unmarried Woman from 1978 uh, this is directed by Paul Mazursky um, who his filmography is 
all over the place. Um, I don't recognize his name. He doesn't strike me as a household name. Uh, but me and Kyle have this, uh, or Kyle and I rather, have a saying where it's like, if it's in the Criterion Collection, it's generally worth your time. Uh, so doesn't stand out for me personally, but there's a reason it's in the Criterion Collection. Um, we have a Blu-ray of Brian's Song from 1971. Um, I forget if this was originally a TV movie, but I feel like this is a, a, a dad movie. I mean, geez, it's got James Caan and Billy D. Williams, and I think it's about sports. <laughs> so, it's, um, yeah, that's a dad movie if ever there was one. Um, what else we've got here? Uh, we have... Princess Caribou. Um, oh, no wonder I clicked on it. It's because it has Phoebe Cates in it. Um, this doesn't look good. <laughs> so I'll just say that much. Um, it's a Shout Select release. It's from 1994. But it's got Phoebe Cates' eyes on the cover, uh, which got me to click on it. Um, oh, hey, it's got a uh, Kevin Klein and John Lithgow in it. Um, I, like, I like both of them. And, you know, Phoebe Cates from a certain point in time very much worth your time <laughs> it looks like a terrible movie though i mean drop dead fred was probably around the same time and uh yeah that's not very good um man them eyes man uh moving along though <laughs> what the fuck is this um we have white white crane chronicles from 2008 and is that a carradine i see on the cover yes it is that is david carradine um, I don't know how many years this was before his uh, <laughs> his unfortunate passing. Um, sorry for laughing if that offends anyone, but um, this looks like it desperately wants to be the man with, uh, was it Bronze Hands? Um, I want to say that was from around the same time period. Um, but yeah, this looks like action schlock um, minus any sort of like headlining talent that I can I can name. Like, really, I'm pretty good when it comes to, like, naming, like, schlock stunt performers and whatnot. I can't name a single one of these people. Um, looks terrible. But uh, caught my eye, though. Um, bopping on down here. Uh, we have a curious row of releases here uh, being put out at a, uh, on an off day. Uh, so this would be June 11th. It looks like the entire uh, Jet Li uh, Once Upon a Time in china saga uh, is coming to blu-ray um i want to say these are uk discs um, i don't know who's putting these out um it says golden harvest but i don't know if they're a disc publisher i mean i know they're a a, a film production company but i don't know why these are listed uh, i'll have to look into that because um <laughs> If ever there was a series of like martial arts films that I've wanted to like but just haven't been able to, this would probably be it. Um, I have a bias um, where I, I mean, if you've been listening to the show for any stretch of time, you'll you'll be well aware of the fact that I I really love martial arts movies. Just stunt work in general in film is kind of my favorite thing, but martial arts like fight sequences and stuff that's that's my very favorite thing. Um, however, I have a bias when it comes to Chinese productions in that I, I like Hong Kong films, um, like mainland Chinese movies. Uh, there's especially like period films, like Once Upon a Time in China. Uh, basically, if everyone has a Q haircut, uh, I just kind of check out because uh, there's there's just something missing for me personally, um, and it may be a, I, it's more than likely a like a cultural, like barrier that I can't quite get through like a hurdle I can't get over um but yeah I mean the obviously the uh direction by Choi Hark and like I forget who did the I want to say Yun Wu Ping did the choreography for at least the first handful of these movies um there's a lot more of them than you would think just put it that way <laughs> um I all of that was excellent and whatnot and yet somehow there's still something missing because, I mean, uh, both Jet Li and Donnie Yen, uh, earlier in their career, like in the 90s, their, their pairing in uh, Once Upon a Time in China 2 has long been cited as, you know, one of the most extraordinary martial arts sequences in film. And yet, despite me loving both of those performers, seeing them together, I was, at the time, I was just kind of like, yeah, okay, it's, it's, 
it's it's good and then same with with hero where it's like you know it's it's it's, it's good it's not what i want but it's good so it's it's just a matter of taste on my part but um anyway <laughs> i should move on <laughs> um so let's uh bop on down to the next week um this would be june 16th um and right off the bat we have a I would I would assume a re-release of Pretty in Pink from 1986. Um, I don't know if this is one that I've seen. I when it comes to these like like kind of like Brat Pack movies, I always have to ask Kyle because I feel like he I don't know he he knows this stuff better than I do. But if this is the one with Long Duck Dong, uh, Getty Watanabe, um, then I've seen it. Although that might be Sixteen Candles. So dang it. I wish Kyle was here so I could double check my facts. Um, we have something called the Columbia Classics Collection. Uh, so it, it looks like this is a box set containing uh, Columbia Pictures films from 1939 to 1996. Wow. Um, and it looks like there's a... Wow. There's some big-name movies in here. You get Gandhi, Lawrence of Arabia, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, Dr. Strangelove... Uh, League of Their Own, and Jerry Maguire. Um, <laughs> uh, towards the end there, it gets a little bit eclectic. Um, one, like, two of these things are not like the others, but, uh, wow. Uh, quite a few extraordinary films in there. Uh, very few of which I've actually seen, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, like I said, my personal taste tends to veer away from this kind of stuff. But I did go to public school, and they did make me watch Gandhi. So at least I've seen that. Um Beside that, we have 4K releases of both Gladiator and Braveheart. Um, oh, Braveheart. Um, Braveheart is a 25th anniversary edition. Um, I don't know if this is the first time either of these films is on 4K. However, I would imagine both of these films would would do well in that format. Um, they both have some grand vistas and spectacular imagery to put up on the screen. Um, Gladiator. <laughs> I, I would like to see Gladiator in 4K. I have a soft spot for that movie. I mean, it's it's essentially like kind of a. It's a little bit trashy in some ways, but that's kind of what I. But that's kind of what I like about it. <laughs> um, this was one of those movies, like one of the earliest DVDs I ever watched. Gladiator, um, and we used to do this thing where we'd be sitting on the couch, and we kept using the, uh, like the slow motion feature you could do, um, so you could like frame skip and whatnot. And we would do that for all the, like, instances of, like, gore and bloodletting in the movie just to, like, see how they did the effects. So there's there's that one bit in the first uh, Colosseum battle where uh, the gal gets hit by the, the sword that's on the uh, chariot. And it, like, cuts her in half, like, right at the waist. And I remember we, we did the frame skip on that. And it looks pretty hokey when you see it in slow motion and close up. But, you know. It's fun. We used to do the same trick with uh, the Matrix Reloaded, uh, the the sequence where all the Agent Smiths are fighting Neo. Uh, we would do that, and we'd like freeze frame and just like point at all the all the Smiths that that were not Hugo Weaving. It's like, oh, that's that's not him. Oh, that's totally not him. It's like, not with that hairline. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> uh, good times. Um, so we also have a Criterion release of uh, a Buster Keaton film, The Camera Man, from 1928. Uh, I don't recognize the title, but um, I've seen a handful of Buster Keaton films. Um, I mean, I'm a Jackie Chan fan, so at some point, of course, I went straight to the source and checked out Buster Keaton's work. Um, I really enjoyed The General. I think I saw that when I was in college. But um, I don't recognize this title, but uh, again, Criterion, worth a look. Um, we have a release of The Giant Spider Invasion from 1975. Um, I want to say I saw this either on, like, Joe Bob Briggs's uh, Monster Vision, like TNT Monster Vision, or Mystery Science Theater 3000. Um, and if it's the movie I'm thinking of, the way they, <laughs> the way they achieved the giant tarantula effect, um, it was very obviously, like, a, a, a uh, giant spider prop mounted on probably like a vw beetle and they just kind of like drove around with it <laughs> and then they put these two big googly eyes on top of it 
for some reason that image like bothered me a little bit when I was a little kid, especially like when the giant tarantula appears towards like the end of the movie, like comes out of the ground and like surprises some guy. For some reason when I was a little kid that bugged me, but like in retrospect, it was really dumb <laughs> and not at all scary. Um, I would watch that if it was on TV. <laughs> Uh, for some reason, I don't have a problem with spiders in movies. I get a kick out of them, but spiders in real life freak me out. Like, I really like uh, arachnophobia. I brought that up on last week's, or this week's episode, rather. Um, I really enjoy that movie, and I've, I've watched it countless times. But spiders, like, face-to-face, whew, freak me out, man. Um, but let's see what else we have here. Uh, we have something called Primal Scream from 1987. Uh, just based on the time in which it was released and the cover art, I want to say this is probably an alien ripoff, which is fine. I don't have a problem with that. I would probably watch that. <laughs> because if you're going to rip something off, it may as well be that. Something really, really good. And re- more importantly, really, really simple. Because when you when you break it down, it, I mean, people other than me have been saying this for ages, that like... Alien really is just kind of like a haunted house movie in space. Like it, it's it's dirt simple in so many ways. It's all the it's all the small details in there that that are the difference makers. Um, so that's 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 something I would never never get tired of watching ripoffs of because I I can appreciate the subtle differences between them. Um, we have Impractical Jokers the movie. I want to say. I know nothing about the Impractical Jokers, um, which probably speaks to the fact, like, the fact that I haven't had access to television in a very long time. Um, I remember a friend of mine used to work at the uh, Safeway milk plant and on the on the east side over here, and uh, he said the TV in the break room was perpetually tuned to uh, True TV. And he said, man, you haven't seen trash television until you've seen true, true TV. And he said, like, I feel like I feel like I've learned a lot about American culture just by just by hanging out in the break room. Here. <laughs> and I was like, huh, I don't know what that means, but like, that's very fascinating. And I, I want to say Impractical Jokers would probably be right at home with that crowd. Um, yeah, I, I don't know anything about these guys, but the fact that they got a movie uh, tells me that they have an audience. So good, good for them. Um we have uh wow oh they they put together the the gladiator and braveheart 4k's in one box um i feel like that would drive brad nuts to <laughs> to, have, to have two movies that are so far on that like alphabetical spectrum so far apart from each other in one box it's like oh why would you do that <laughs> blasphemy um we have something called the quarry from 2020 it looks like it has one of those low-grade blu-ray cases which doesn't bode well for its quality as a film however i'm glad i clicked on this because this features michael shannon in the cast and that would be somebody that uh kyle in particular has a strong appreciation for um so i don't know if this movie this movie doesn't look very good but um it's got michael shannon so that's worth a look i guess um we have Sniper, colon, Assassin's End from 2020. And holy shit, they got Tom Berenger back. Wow. Um, I've seen a couple of trailers for this because I hang out on websites that uh, specialize in action schlock and martial arts films. And of course, they did all sorts of reviews and all sorts of advertisements for Sniper, Assassin's End, which is probably the, I want to say like fourth, maybe fifth movie in the Sniper series. Uh, if memory serves, the very first movie was Tom Berenger and uh, Billy Xanatos, a.k.a. Billy Zane. Um, and I think one of the sequels had Bokeem Woodbine at one point. Um, I've seen at least two of them. Um, but as far as I know, Sniper may as well be the, the substitute. I mean, it's also a Tom Berenger film. So, yeah, Sniper is, is Tom Berenger's new substitute, except for he actually is in the sequels as opposed to the substitute where he got replaced by Treat Williams. Um, I've been wanting to do another Treat Williams movie for the for the show. And uh, Substitute 2 through 4? Yeah, that's right, 2 through 4. Um, might be worth a look. I don't think Kyle could stomach it, but I actually happen to like those movies. <laughs> I would totally do those for the show. Um, and it uh, looks like the rest of the week is kind of full of crap. 
Um, we have, oh, what the, we have something called the Three Christs um, from 2017. And uh, wow, that is a interesting cast. Like, I'm not being sarcastic. Like, we have Richard Gere. Ooh, he's not looking so hot. Um, Peter Dinklage, Walton Goggins, and Bradley Whitford, a.k.a. the bad guy from Billy Madison. <laughs> um, huh. Uh, I'm just going to read the plot description because I'm, I'm intrigued. Uh, three Christs follow Dr. Alan Stone, who is treating three paranoid schizophrenic patients at the Ypsilanti State Hospital in Michigan, each of whom believed they were Jesus Christ. What transpires is both comic and deeply moving. Oh, yeah, and Juliana Margulies is in there as well. Um, it looks like Indy Schlock, um, which kind of wants, like, keeps me from wanting to actually watch it but just seeing those faces together on the cover kind of makes me smile like it makes me happy to see like one richard gear still working and two like just this eclectic cast uh in a movie together um and because it's me i'm going to point out that uh there is, is a ultra ultraman x and ultraman ginga s uh movie box set uh coming out that week as well um, I've been out of the game. <laughs> I haven't been out of the Ultraman game for that long. Like I was really big on Ultraman in like college and whatnot, but um, I'm not about to get back into it. It's uh, it's for children. <laughs> like, it's it's straight up for little kids, and uh, you know the rent is too damn high. Uh, we have. Uh, I'm only going to point this out because um, I, I apparently the Sopranos is is developing a second life uh thanks to you know the quarantine and whatnot thanks to all these young people uh going backwards but uh the the, the sopranos uh, the complete collection on blu-ray from 1999 to 2007 uh they're putting this disc out again i'm guessing because i i think i checked the ratings uh, just the other day and one of the very highest rated podcasts right now is uh, a couple of the cast members of the show just talking about the production of it um, and I guess through the success of that podcast, uh, the the show, The Sopranos, has uh, found a second audience, like a second generation of viewers, which is kind of cool because uh, I went through the whole series about two years ago, and uh, wow, it's it's good, it's very good. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm glad the young folks are checking it out. Um, and beside that, we have a uh, it's not live die repeat, it's Edge of Tomorrow. Uh, rip off uh, kill mode not even gonna click the description because just based on the cover art, i can tell you right now that's what they're banking on um cover art for lieutenant jangles um uh, a disc put out by screen team releasing a movie from 2018 uh oof that tagline crime is a disease meet the condom so that would be a reference to cobra um hmm the, the cover art has that, that that 80s throwback vibe to it that, you know, everybody's kind of trying to cash in on right now. But uh, the description I'll read only because um, the uh, continent of origin intrigues me. Uh, so it's the mid-1980s in the most crime-ridden city of Australia. Australia! Only one man keeps the scales of justice even. Cowboy detective Lieutenant Jangles. After his partner is killed in a blazing shootout, Jangles goes on an explosive and blood-soaked mission to avenge his death. His quest for vengeance unintentionally makes him the enemy of a mysterious new crime boss who has been quietly taking over Brisbane City. When their paths finally cross, one thing is made clear. This town isn't big enough for the both of them. Uh, yeah, I want to say the cover art is probably the best part of the movie. <laughs> um, I... Whoever did the cover art did a good job. That's a, you know, a solid tagline for immature folks that might go for that. Uh, the fact that it's Australian kind of intrigues me, though. Um, those those Aussies they get up to some crazy shit sometimes. Um, uh, in fact, uh, Top Knot Detective, the movie I mentioned earlier that I purchased um, from Australia, um, that was that was very clever. I thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, so maybe. Maybe I'll come back to that at some point. <laughs> but um, moving on, June 23rd, uh, first major release of this week, uh, Criterion release. Wow. Uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire from 2019. Uh, I have heard some great things about this. Um, this is a, I want to say it's a French film. Um, 
I'm not even going to try to attempt to pronounce any of the names of the cast and the director. Uh, but yeah, I'll just say that much, that um, as far as I understand, this movie is certainly worthy of a first-run Criterion disc, because uh, yeah, I heard it was very, very good. Uh, so I might check that out at some point. Um, we have an Arrow release, uh, Dream Demon from 1988. Um, this is one. This one is not known to me, but I really dig that cover art. It looks uh, it looks painterly. Um, some really provocative imagery there. Uh, I might have to ask Kyle to look into that one. It seems like something he might he might want to check out. Uh, we have the Spider, another Spider film <laughs> from 1958. Um, so this is a Burt I. Gordon movie, uh, as far as I understand. He, like giant bug like giant radioactive creature movies were kind of his or sometimes small radioactive creature movies were were a kind of his wheelhouse um i don't know if i've seen the spider but i've definitely seen tarantula from around the same time period uh so i can't vouch for the quality of this one uh tarantula was very good though i'll say that much uh so if it's up to that standard cool um, beside that, we have yet another Criterion release, um, Tokyo Olympiad from 1965. Um, I'm just going to read the description here. Uh, an impressionistic portrait of the 1964 Tokyo Summer Olympics, which pays as much attention to the crowds and workers as it does to the actual competitive events. Highlights include an epic pole vaulting match between West Germany and America and the final marathon race through Tokyo streets. Um Wow, just looking at some of the still images from this, uh, definitely shot really well. Um, that could be fascinating. You know, um, I, I would check that out. Uh, what else we got here? Um, we have, uh, <laughs> I would just imagine this is the first time it's on Blu-ray. Uh, the Road to Wellville from 1994. I know basically nothing about this movie other than the fact that it takes place at like a uh, health spa Um owned and operated by the uh the kellogg's guy like the kellogg cereal guy um i remember seeing advertisements for this and i don't know what it says about me but like i remember when pleasantville was advertised like i used to watch a lot of uh nick at night uh with my grandma um a lot of i love lucy and like bewitched and happy days and whatnot and i remember when pleasantville was coming out i was actually like legit kind of hyped for it for some reason <laughs> and same thing with this movie and uh also a uh, matinee um i remember being very hyped for matinee so like these kind of like throwback stories with like that like that particular brand of quirkiness i guess like that hyper reality to them um that like g g whiz factor i guess <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like failing to use the right words to describe it but there's a certain flavor of like throwback movie that was coming out in the 90s that for some reason it always kind of worked for me um however i never got around to seeing this one um uh, i would check it out though wouldn't buy it but i would i would watch it if it was available for free somewhere uh we have pennyworth uh the complete first season so this would be uh the alfred pennyworth uh uh War dc slash warner brothers production about uh batman's butler in his youth um man uh dc and warner brothers have been like on the sly like building a not a cinematic universe but like a sub cinematic universe of like interconnected tv series and streaming series um to to rival the likes of of the mcu of the marvel cinematic universe um not nearly on the same scale but um at least in terms of like breadth of content uh wow it it baffles me that's like oh, hang on you mean they have an entire streaming service dedicated just to like DC slash Warner Brothers live action superhero shows? And I was not aware of this until like a year ago. And they've been cranking these out for years and they just keep building and building and building. It's kind of nuts. It's one of those things. It's like it, it just goes to show you that there there really is an audience for everything. But in this age of streaming, like these these smaller services actually can survive like maybe not thrive but they, they can kind of get by on the strength of just a handful of supporters um i will say this much um most of them look like crap <laughs> um, like 
I've seen some examples of special effects in some of them. It's like, you know, Ultraman generally looks better than that. And you're doing it wrong if Ultraman generally looks better than your, your superhero show. But um, Doom Patrol, um, combination of the cast. Uh, you have Brendan Fraser as the voice of Robot Man and fucking Timothy Dalton. Uh, sign me the fuck up. Um, and Doom Patrol is one of those comics that I never read back in the day, but... Uh, I read a lot of comics that like uh, intersected with them, so they would do like guest appearances in a lot of the uh, the comics that I would read. Like uh, Secret Six um, was a DC comic that, at a certain point in my life, I was all about. Um, not anymore. I gave up comics like cold turkey because again, ain't nobody got time for that, and the rent is too damn high. Um, but yeah, if I was to check out any one of those shows, uh, Doom Patrol, man. Uh, it actually looks legit kind of good <laughs> um so i'll i'll keep that in the back of my mind because they've been advertising that second season recently and hmm, i know kyle really likes brendan fraser we both have equal amounts of nostalgia for him so maybe maybe i can get him on board with that too we'll see um moving along though uh we have a whole bunch of anime nothing that really jumps out at me um so i'm just gonna bop on down a bit further uh we have on an off day release uh, so this would be june 26th um, we have a disc called fulci for fake um this is a severin films disc um, severin films um i only know because they put out a blu-ray of a movie that i actually bought a bootleg dvd of uh, for kyle back in the day um that would be a a, a USSR uh, produced horror film um, by the name of uh, V or V-I-Y. Um, that's how it's spelled. I don't know how, how that would be pronounced. Um, at the time, uh, there were only foreign DVDs of it available and or bootlegs. Um, and Kyle was desperate to see it. So I just picked up a bootleg for him and I said, here you go. Um, and then sure enough, months down the road, uh, Severin Films put out a HD release of it and it's readily available on Shutter, so it's like, so you mean I just wasted fifteen bucks on a fucking bootleg DVD for your ass, and now it's like fucking free for you? Shit. Um, but yeah, Severin Films, as far as I know, they are like a very small uh, disc publisher, like super boutique house. Um, but as evidenced by some of the stuff, like VIY and stuff, or V uh, that they've put out, they tend to like acquire the rights to some really eclectic out there kind of stuff um but this looks like a uh, a biopic about lucio fulci um aka one of like the masters of italian gore um this could be interesting because uh, italian movies from a certain era I, I find immensely fascinating i haven't seen that many of them but it's a it's a part of like film history that i'm i'm very fascinated in and i would like to learn more about um, so maybe this is a, a quick and easy f way for me to get like a primer on Fulci as opposed to like, uh, you know, checking out all of his movies and whatnot. I think I've only seen one of them, maybe two. Um, I want to say I've definitely seen Zombie or Zombie 2, depending on who you ask. Um, and there's like one other one, City of the City of the Dead, maybe? I forget what it was called exactly, but uh, most, most of his movies that I know of have eye trauma. <laughs> put it that way um, that probably doesn't narrow it down at all um but let's move on to the last week in june and uh hey i think we found something i might actually buy um and it's not what i'm about to say uh so first major release that we have for june 30th is a uh, django plus texas comma adios uh, from 1966 so this is uh i believe a like grindhouse spaghetti western um, in the Django series. I don't know how many of these movies they made, but um, obviously this you know, served as some manner of inspiration for some of the works of Quentin Tarantino, the Western films in particular. Um, this is an Arrow release, so I've no doubt it's a very handsome disc. Uh, I've never seen any of the original Django films, but I bet they're fun. Um, I would check them out for free. I'm not about to pay for them. But um, And beside that, we have a movie that uh, both Kyle and I uh, know by reputation. Um, only difference is I'm pretty sure Kyle's in a hurry to see it, uh, as opposed to me, who's just kind of like, eh, 
you know, I, you know maybe. <laughs> this would be a Criterion release of Come and See from 1985, um, directed by Elem Klimov, or Klimov, Klimov is what I'm going with. Um, we'll read the description. Um, As Nazi forces encroach on his small village in present-day Belarus, uh, teenage Fliora uh, eagerly joins the Soviet resistance. Rather than the adventure and glory he envisioned, what he finds is a walking nightmare of unimaginable carnage and cruelty. Sounds rough. Um, and that is the reputation of this film. And uh, this the cover art for it appears to be like a... Uh, digital painting rendition of probably the most iconic still from the film um yeah i know this film by reputation not in a hurry to see it but i know it's come up in conversation between kyle and i several times uh, over the past months and uh just so happens that criterion is putting out a disc uh this month so <clears throat> i don't know that kyle would blind buy this but i uh, I know he's been wanting to see this, so I'll, I'll remind him that it's out now. Um, beside that, though, uh, we have a movie that I am going to waste my money on. <laughs> and, and and I mean waste because I, I can concede it is not a good film. Um, like I said, that tends to be where my uh, my passions in film lie. Uh, that would be a, uh, I believe this is a shout disc, of uh, Orca, the Killer Whale, from 1977. So, uh, this month began with a 4K 45th anniversary release of Jaws. Uh, it's only fitting that the Dino De Laurentiis uh, Jaws killer, want, or Jaws wannabe, <laughs> um, Orca the Killer Whale would come out at the end of the same month, uh, trailing behind Jaws, as as was the case in the theaters. Um, yeah, this movie's not very good. Um, the story goes, Dino De Laurentiis uh, was obsessed with... Uh, beating jaws like he wanted he wanted some like animal attack movie that could beat jaws <laughs> so he spent a lot of money and a lot of time cranking out shit to try to beat jaws and i guess his first swing his first at bat came in the form of orca and uh later on i think king kong his his king kong um not very long after orca in fact uh was like his second at bat um i don't know if he had anything to do with king kong lives though i wouldn't be surprised um I really like this movie. Um, I, I keep saying it's not good, but I still like it. Um, Richard Harris is is very very good in it. Oh, funny enough, he was in Gladiator. Um, you get I think Bo Derek gets her leg bitten off in it. <laughs> um, what what I like about it is mostly the soundtrack. Ennio Morricone did the uh, the score for the film, and it is beautiful. Um, holy shit, it's it's gorgeous. Um, that's that's the one thing you absolutely cannot take away from the movie is it has some of the most beautiful music um committed to film if you ask me um and just the th kind of the hokey spirit of it kind of works for me on some level i really like like man versus beast movies and this one kind of amps it up a few notches where it's like okay hang on what ha i mean i i know it's a it's a marine mammal. I know whales, orcas in particular, are known to be pretty intelligent. But this thing sets fire to a town. Mind you, it's a whale, and it can't set foot on land. <laughs> and I love that, like the the whole climax of the film. It is it isn't like uh, Jaws, where Chief Brody and Hooper and, and Quint have to set out to sea to, you know, attack the the beast in its territory. Like they they have to go you know to to spare the the people on the shore in in orca if i remember right um the climax of the film was kind of enforced by said burning town like the villagers actually tell richard harris like you get on that boat or we'll shoot you <laughs> like that that whale wants to eat you and you let him eat you because you can't you can't come around here no more um yeah it's it's like you know like a moby dick kind of tale um some of the effects work, some of them don't. Uh, the music's great, uh, and I, I have a soft spot for it. I'm I'm very excited to give it another watch. I'm probably gonna hate it, <laughs> but but I'm gonna waste my money on it. So fuck off. <laughs> um, moving along though, uh, we have uh, something called the Immortalizer from 1989. Um, that cover art looks horrendous. Like that does not look compelling at all. Um, 
Mm, mm, bad, bad jail lighting. Um, oh shit, we have a Mel Gibson movie that I saw a trailer for just the other day. Um, Force of Nature from 2020, and that is Kate Bosworth and Emil fucking Hirsch. Emil Hirsch as a, I want to say he's like a beat cop. So this is this is like, this movie is out of time. Like this movie is. 30 years out of time in some, in some ways where it's like there was a thing in in like the late 90s where it's like we need we need to have an action thriller but it needs to take place in like a weird hazardous environment where the action can be centered around like environmental hazards rather than punching and shooting so i mean like we have like daylight and like we have cliffhanger two stallone movies um to a lesser extent well actually probably the catalyst for it was speed i would imagine where it's like you know it's basically a disaster movie on wheels um but yeah like disaster movies and stuff oh yeah and heavy rain that's that's like exactly the example that comes to mind for this so as far as i can understand this is just like like an action thriller that happens to take place during a hurricane or something uh so kind of like crawl but instead of uh, alligators it's uh people with guns um it looks like it wasn't Looks like it wasn't strong enough to get a th theatrical release, uh, so maybe the quarantine did this one a favor. <laughs> but um, moving on down, though, uh, uh, we have an anime release that I can comment on. That would be Crusher Joe, uh, the movie from 1983. Uh, a good friend of mine uh, actually got me the Anime Ego uh, DVD of the Crusher Joe uh, movie and OVA series. Um, this was way back in high school. Um, and it, it's good. It's really good, like, early 80s uh, anime, like, sci-fi anime schlock. Like, the animation shows a lot of ambition, um, but in execution, it's like you can tell they didn't have the money or the more than likely the talent to pull off some of the stuff they're planning. But I remember, like, there's, like, a, a really ambitious shot to start the movie that was It's one of those things where it's like, you really didn't have to try to do that but i'm glad that you did like that make that's the difference makers that that show of effort um but yeah i i think i'm gonna end things right there because uh kind of run out of things to say about most of what i'm looking at here uh like i said i wish kyle was here because he'd probably have a couple of these like that jump out at him that i didn't even notice um, but as is customary, I'll just uh, go back through the list, maybe cite any examples of things that I, I might pick up or I might rent. Um, so going backwards, um, obviously I already said I'm, I'm going to buy Orca. Like, I, I'm just going to. Um, it, it's, it's a foregone conclusion. <laughs> I would like to see a portrait of a lady on fire. I'm not going to blind buy it. Um, it sounded pretty heavy and uh generally i don't have those kind of movies on my shelf um but i would like to see it because i've heard nothing but very good things about it um gladiator i already have on blu-ray i don't i don't think i i need to upgrade my disc um braveheart i don't own in any capacity um i might pick that up on 4k that's a that's a very light might though more than likely not um, I actually already own The Hunt. Um, I picked it up because uh, my girlfriend wanted to watch it, and she was going to rent it, and I was like, you know what? I've bought worse movies than this could possibly be. Why the fuck not? <laughs> so um, I have that on my shelf already. Um, probably won't watch it again, although it does have some behind-the-scenes features about uh, some of like the staging of some of the action scenes that I very much would like to see. Um, so... Uh, maybe, maybe it'll get put back in the machine at some point. Um, I also already own uh, a version of One Cut of the Dead. Like I said, I have the third window films version. Um, <laughs> it's been on my shelf for like a month. Uh, Creepshow, I'm going, to, I, I'm going to watch because Kyle's going to tell me to watch it, and I should you know, eventually do something that he asked me to, eventually. <laughs> so I should probably check that out while I still have Shudder. Um, Glengarry Glenn Ross, um, I don't know that I would buy that, but I now that I'm like after talking about it, I do kind of want to watch it again. Like it's pretty fucking good, so that's a maybe. Um, Parasite, like I said, I, mm, Bong Joon Ho, I've seen, 
I've actually I own two of his other movies. I I have owned and seen two of his other movies. Um, like his mainstream hits, so The Host and uh, Snowpiercer, obviously. Um, and those were both good. Parasite's better than both of them. And yet I don't really want to own it. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I also already own the the Jaws 4K. Uh, so yeah, that that that's about it for the month of June 2020 as far as uh, physical media releases are concerned. Um, if you'd like to check out our other content, uh, we do have a website. You can look us up at uh, catchinguponcinema.com. Uh, we also have social media accounts. Um, that would be a Twitter at Catching Cinema, as well as an Instagram account at Catching Up on Cinema. So if you'd like to hit us up at either one of those, you certainly may, and I may or may not get back to you. Um, That being said, uh, thank you so much for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next time.